Repeated history. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Repeated history is the reason that the NBA, through Joe Dumars, said that Draymond Green would be suspended indefinitely. Let me bring you back. Draymond Green has been ejected. He's missed a finals game. He stepped on a chest got involved in a fight. This year alone, three suspensions, flailed his arms as though he were flopping just the other night. I then did an entire wait to see telling you that Draymond's only gonna be suspended for five games or fewer because I didn't think the NBA would use this as the example. This is the straw that would break the camel's back. This didn't seem nearly as egregious. And it took the NBA about a minute and a half to tell me that I completely underestimated how badly they want Draymond Green out of the league. So yesterday, the NBA announced, we have taken into account Green's repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts. There is no specific number of games in Draymond Green's suspension. Draymond Green will have the time he needs to deal with the challenges he's facing. He'll be required to meet certain league and team conditions before he returns to play. I'm a pretty simple guy. I don't know what that means. It's like the John Morant suspension when it first started. Hey, we're not going to put a time on this. He's going to have to deal with his issues. And he's going to have to check a lot of boxes before we'll consider it. Major League Baseball has a suspension, a lifetime suspension, where you can then appeal to be reinstated. And it's totally at the whim of the commissioner. Is that what this is? Is the union allowing the suspension of one of its players because of repeated issues when it's not in the collective bargaining agreement and it is an appeal where if you're going to be reinstated, you just ask the commissioner and the commissioner can be like, no, sorry, Pete, you can't be reinstated. Or... Do you collectively bargain factors? What's in the boxes? Is it 100 hours of anger management? Is it rehab? Is it giving up your gun permit? What are the things you have to do? Do you have to go on apology tour to all of the harmed people? When there's a player suspended for something that happens, generally there is a roadmap to redemption. In the absence of that roadmap, what does the player do? And this is not me defending Draymond Green. This is me questioning a process. I like when expectations are clearly set out. It's how I have run a business my whole life. It's how I am with relationships, with my kids, with anybody. This is what I want you to do. Tell me what you want me to do. And don't give me any sort of hazy, I want you to be a better dad. What does that mean? Go to more recitals? Stay on the phone longer? I want specifics. I want you to tell me, how do I support you? At work, why do you think 
a human resources department exists because you have a description. These are the things that you have to do to do your job and that you will be evaluated on. You're in sales. These are your metrics. You're in marketing. We're going to use the following 10 things to evaluate how you do. You're in baseball. You know how that goes. We're going to look at the one loss record. And then we're going to look to see what kind of team we have. Did we underperform? Did we overperform? Did you mislead? Did we waste money? Did you ignore other factors that would have stopped a certain signing or a certain trade from happening? Everything is laid out. How else do you do bonuses and raises at the end of a year? You just pull them out of the air? And when you're dealing with a union, with collective bargaining, you can't depend on that. Measurable action. But the NBA went out of its way just to say, hey, it's certain league and team conditions. Is one of the conditions you can't hit a teammate? You can't hit someone else's teammate? Draymond, next time you hit someone, it's like doing steroids for a third time, third strike, Clinton-like, see you later. Or is this selective prosecution where this is just about Draymond and the Warriors get to save the luxury tax on his salary? The Warriors are better off without the distraction. They stink anyway. The NBA's moved on. They're trying to figure out how to promote Wembanyama when the Spurs can't win a game. They're trying to figure out why Monty Williams is getting $14 million for a team that can't win a game. They're trying to figure out which is the game ball, which is not. Maybe there's other stuff that are going on with the NBA. They didn't have time, but they sure as heck were quick to suspend him. And I'm not bitter. I shouldn't say that. I'm a little bitter. I don't like losing weight to C's when I have to revisit them so quickly after I say them and being so wrong. So I guess it is about me. But it just wouldn't occur to me that this was a John Morant situation because with the John Morant situation, I was less than happy with the terms of, hey, be better. We'll be back to you when you're better. Fulfill these conditions. No, I like the 25 games. You're suspended 25 games. We'll see you then. But then even the NBA said, you're suspended 25 games and then we'll meet. And I'm not exactly the most pro-union guy in the world, but what a bunch of horse hockey. Why would a union allow for that extra meeting? Suspend my player. Okay. But once the suspension's over, you know what the equivalent is? Here's your sentence. You are sentenced to seven years for that crime. And at the end of seven years, we're going to meet. And then we're going to decide whether you can be free. What? The sentence is seven years. Serve the seven years, unless I can get off early for good behavior, and then you're free. But David, what about probation? All probation is, we want to make sure that you don't do what you said you're not going to do, which is do something against the law when we told you you're getting out at the end of this sentence. But if you do violate the law, you're going to go right back because your sentence was seven years plus probation. It's all there for someone to know. So Draymond Green wakes up this morning. What does he know? All he knows is the comments he made, which I didn't mean to hit him. I'm not going to change. I'm going to be me. Are we watching the implosion of a great player, the end of an era, the end of the Warriors? How do you deal with a superstar, if you can call Draymond that, which they paid him as though he is? How do you deal when... He is absolutely uncoachable, unsalvageable. I've got seven letters that I'd like to discuss with you today.
and it starts with an R and ends with an E. Give me an E, L, E, A, S, E. If you really don't want to deal with him, Golden State, just release him. Oh, but that's bad for the cap. We can't do that. I've got my answer. How many times have you seen teams not do what they want to do with the player? Go back to Myers Leonard. Teams who has, by the way, completely, completely done everything he needed to do to understand what he did was wrong, has completely rehabilitated and, and educated himself. Education is so important with people who say things or do things or feel things if they're not based on reality or based on what's right. But in any case, they couldn't do what they wanted with Leonard because there were cap implications. I believe the rule should be that you get sort of like a bird exemption. If you want to release a player and have it not hurt you to release him today versus tomorrow, that there should be a change that the cap issue is the same today as it is tomorrow. I, because the player's getting paid unless you terminate them without cause, uh, with cause. And the Draymond Green, this would just be a release where you pay the player. So my suggestion for the NBA is twofold for Draymond Green and for any other situation that happens. Number one, I want measurable, actionable, and absolutely indisputable path to reinstatement. What do you have to do? When do you have to do it? How long do you have to do it? I also want the ability of a team to take it into its own hands. And if the Golden State Warriors or any other team is ready to move on, you've got to have the power to move on. And I don't want any cap implications or any other rules to get in the way of operating a team the way I want to operate. Those are the two things I would change. So Draymond Green is out. Draymond Green is out indefinitely. I'm not doing a wait to see as to the number of games. I'm done. I've lost one wait to see on him. I'm not going to lose another. It's going to be interesting how long it takes. I could argue pretty persuasively that when you are who you are, any amount of rehab doesn't change who you are. It's my old story when you get caught cheating and you go into rehab because you're a sex addict and then you come out and say, I'm cured. Okay, if that's how you want to do it. If you are racist or anti-Semitic and you get caught and you say something, I apologize, I've totally changed. Okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of a doubt that you're cured. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you've changed. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you've been educated. But when it comes to who I'm paying and who's playing and who's representing me, that's obviously a deeper conversation. So the Warriors have to have this conversation because there is a lot of squeeze with Draymond Green these days, and the amount of juice is infinitesimal. One of the things that... I am very clear with players about. Uh, if you want to fight with the other team, you do it between the lines. That's one. Two, we don't fight with fans. Period. Malice of the pal malice of the palace, that whole thing. Two, you don't fight with fans. Three, if you're fighting with each other, we do it in the clubhouse when there's not media around. It's three simple rules. That's it. You fight the other team between the lines. You fight with each other in the clubhouse. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Indiana Pacers had a bit of a rule violation yesterday when Giannis 
dropped a 64 spot on the Pacers, wanted the game ball in order to acknowledge his accomplishment and keep it. And the Pacers wanted the game ball to go to their player who scored his first point of his career. Very, very normal. So there are multiple game balls. In baseball, it's obvious, right? The last ball that's used that ends up in the first baseman's glove or an outfielder's glove if it's a catch or the third baseman's glove if it's a pop-out or the catcher's glove if it's a strikeout or in Josh Beckett's glove if it's a little dribbler to first base. There's an authenticator who authenticates which ball is when and where and how. But there are multiple game balls that are used during the course of a game. In football, there are multiple balls that are used when there's a four, eight, six, niner. When there is a ball that is specific to a play and a player wants to take that ball out of play, the football is taken out of play, a new football properly deflated by belly is put in. Everything seems normal, not a big discussion. Basketball has two game balls, as far as I understand, but generally you're using one ball the entire game. It's sort of the kind of sport that when the ball goes into the stands, you can't put it underneath your shorts. You have to give it back to the referee. You can throw it to a player, bounce past it, maybe take one dribble if you're courtside, but that ball is going to be used again. All of the balls that are used for first half and second half warm up, that rack of balls where you do the layup line and then do the shoots, the shots and the dunks, those are not the game balls. Sort of like BP balls in baseball. So when a basketball game ends, there is video of when Jordan won a championship and he was cradling the ball. He was never going to give that ball away. There's video of baseball games that end in the ninth inning and someone puts the ball in their pocket when they're celebrating. Giannis simply wanted the ball and he went off the court when the Pacers didn't give it to them, give it to him. And he and a bunch of teammates went toward the Pacers locker room to try to get the ball back, thinking that the Pacers were purposefully not giving him the ball. It takes a lot for me to be anti-Milwaukee and anti-Giannis, a lot. There is no scenario where a Giannis is in the right in this situation. The home team controls the game balls. Hard stop. If the home team wants the game ball for a charity, for an auction, the owner of the team owns the ball. So if the Bucks are home, the Bucks have the right to that ball. When the Pacers take the ball, it is not for Giannis to go get it. There are myriad security people team officials, people in uniform, and I don't mean a basketball jersey, people who run the visiting clubhouse. There's like 10 layers of people who could do this. Players are not on the list. They're not even back up to the list. So Giannis goes over there, a bunch of his teammates go over there. Rick Carlisle then is forced to give a comment where he says what happened after the game was unfortunate. There was a misunderstanding about the game ball. 
it was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA point. So we always get the game ball. We grab the ball, and a couple minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway. So a ball was given to Giannis, and then Giannis claimed that wasn't the actual game ball. The Pacers kept it, those bastages. So what would I do here? First, I would go down to my home clubhouse and I would lose my mind. How many times do we tell you the resources that we give you to take care of issues that you have? You have ticket issues, you've got fan abuse issues, you have issues with the other team, with the other traveling party, with your own team. We are here to deal with your issues privately in the clubhouse with the doors closed. Giannis is too important a piece, too public a piece, a player to have gotten involved in this mess. Adam Silver, when looking at this, do you do no suspensions? Is it a tersely worded letter reminding players of how to act? There are times that I have been on the wrong side of this prediction media business where I've explained to you that I think suspension should be coming. I think fines should be coming. And it turns out to just be a letter. There's times when I think a letter is sufficient and the leagues want to make an example. Do you think the NBA and Adam Silver want to make an example out of what Giannis did? And it's Giannis. So I don't think so. I don't think Giannis gets suspended for this. I don't think Giannis gets fined for this. I think this is letter-worthy material. However, from letter-worthy to fine to suspension is a pretty quick jump. You can get from one end of the spectrum to the other without much effort. If the Giannis situation had turned into an ugly fight, and we've seen that, Coca, help me. This is when, right, you'd be in my ear, right on it, but I know you're sick and I'm so sorry when the players were fighting on their way to Michigan. Yes. God, I'm so happy you're the producer of nothing personal. Remember when Michigan, Michigan State had that fight as they were heading off the field and into the clubhouse and it was a major fight and there were multiple suspensions. It was horrible. These scholar athletes fighting like that. Very, very bad look. I don't think that what happened with Giannis rises to the level of Michigan, Michigan State, but it's almost there, close enough that Silver will have to get involved with a letter. And by the way, to the Indiana Pacers, I get why you want the game ball for your player's first point. It's the equivalent of getting the first hit or first strikeout for a first-time major leaguer when they get their first hit or first strikeout as a pitcher. As a home team, we always let the, that ball go to the visiting team. Do you remember the player? Now I'm looking for a deep cut, Coca. There was a Major League Baseball player who threw a ball into the stands that was a meaningful ball to a player. And they ended up getting it back. And the player apologized, saying he didn't know. Pete Alonzo did it. Coca, I got it before you did. I'm less sick than you are. Remember when Pete Alonso threw a ball into the stands and said, oh, I didn't realize? It's absolute hogwash. Players realize their team and other teams. The Bucks knew very well that this was that was Shibwe's first point. And the Pacers knew very well that Giannis had dropped the 64 spot. 
you can talk about the competition between the teams if you want. But this was just an example of gamesmanship, showmanship. No, this was an example where Rick Carlisle and the Pacers just assumed that a first point was more important than a 64 spot. Let's wait to see what Adam Silver says. It's going to be good. Coca, you've got good job security here. I don't know if you know that. You're part of Metal Arc and you're the producer for Nothing Personal. And the reason why you have good job security is that this is our 952nd show together, just regular show. Sure, we're over a thousand. We've got a loyal audience. People are running to davidsampsonpodcast.com and they're engaging with us and they're buying the merch. I got a picture of a guy hiking in a, in a diamond logo NPDS shirt. And then I got a picture. I didn't even tell you this one, Coca. I got a picture of a family wearing horse hockey shirts, lighting a menorah. Loved that. Job security is something that everybody wants. Job security is what the people in the Dodgers have. This you are not going to believe. I've done a lot of contracts in my time, a lot. The Shohei Otani contract that is going to be announced in a press conference today at 6 p.m. Eastern, we will have as part of the show tomorrow. Any comments on what Shohei says? Any comments on what the Dodgers say? Been going on. I was on Canada radio this morning talking about it. The Canadians are feeling sad that he didn't become a Blue Jay. We'll see how Otani reacts to, because if the media is not just throwing softballs, they have to ask about that Friday and the rumor of him flying to Toronto and then why he signed Saturday. Is that what made him sign because he was embarrassed by all the craziness? Or did the Dodgers give in to the same thing that the Giants and Blue Jays offered? And so then he was going to be a Dodger because he wanted to be a Dodger anyway. Did the Angels specifically not agree to the two plus 68 deal? Or did he just not want to be an angel from the start because he thought winning with the Dodgers would make more sense and is more probable? Hopefully, it is not a question about the name of his damn dog. There is reports out there. Ken Rosenthal had one. Good report. From an insider standpoint, it's ordinary. But from a fan standpoint, maybe he didn't know. Whenever we sign a free agent, we always demand the collective bargaining agreement allows for it. We demand 1% goes to charity. I like giving at least 10% to charity. I think that's the right number. But 1% of a free agent contract goes to charity. $700 million, $7 million to charity. The charity is the team foundation because teams have a foundation that have responsibilities in their community because they want to be good partners, wink, wink of their community, but really because they've made commitments as part of public funding that they will do the following 20 things every year. We'll renovate a park, we'll support youth sports, we'll support women's sports, we'll support initiatives for young people playing in sports, we'll support the elderly watching the young people play sports. We will guarantee to spend X number of dollars in our community. We have a foundation, every team has one, and from that foundation, you spend money. How does that foundation get funded? The foundation gets funded by doing events, a golf tournament, a bowling tournament, a meet the players dinner on the diamond type thing. People pay money outside of ticket prices and outside of hot dogs and hamburgers. 
And that money goes to the foundation and the foundation uses that money to fulfill its obligations. When you don't bring in enough money, the owner has to make up the difference and it becomes a budget item. We always had a budget item for ownership contribution to foundation because our foundation did not generate enough money as it was spending. Therefore, we had to budget the owner like an expense to give money to the foundation. When you sign a free agent, you always do the 1% clause. You demand it because that money helps fund the foundation. Then there is a suite on the road, a suite in the hotel. That's what that means. A suite at Dodger Stadium. That means that he can buy a suite, not that he gets one for free. We offer that to players because we're not sold out. You want to buy a suite? Be our guest. Speak to the traveling secretary. Buy a suite whenever you want. A hotel suite on the road. The rule is the players get regular rooms. You want a hotel suite? The difference in price is 150 bucks a night. We deduct that from your salary. You want us to guarantee that a suite is available? No problem. That's what a suite on the road is. An interpreter. Every contract we did with Ichiro required us to hire full-time his interpreter with benefits. Fantastic guy. His name is Alan Turner. That was always Ichiro's interpreter. And he became an employee of the Marlins. Part of the deal. Normal. Shohei has an interpreter. Shohei is looking out for his interpreter. You know what else is not in the article? Shohei also negotiated the salary for the interpreter. Because the salary that we paid Ichiro's interpreter was agreed to by Ichiro. Ichiro wasn't going to leave it to us. All right, we'll give you $15,000. Thank you. I'm not saying that I would do that, or maybe I would. But anyway, it's totally negotiated by, I'm talking about me at the time, it's negotiated as part of the free agent deal. But there's a provision in the Shohei deal that I've never seen. And it gives job security to Andrew Friedman that makes me blush. There is a provision in the Otani contract, rumored, that if Mark Walter is no longer the chairman and owner of the Dodgers, or Andrew Friedman is no longer the president of baseball operations, then Shohei Otani gets to opt out of his contract. Let me get this straight. Since declaring free agency on November 3rd, in the last month and a half, Shohei has met Mark and Andrew and has fallen in love, believes in the vision to the point that I'm committed to you. No trade clause. I love you, man. I love LA. Randy Newman all day. But if you move on from Andrew Friedman, I may not want to be here. The fact that the Dodgers gave in to that request sickens me. You're telling me that I'm hamstrung over a decision I'm making on a GM because I've got a player, the best player who we signed, who could opt out of his deal if by chance he's overperforming? overperforming a present value of $46 million per year. There is no way I'm allowing that deal breaker. What happens if Andrew wants to retire? What happens if he wants to spend time with his family? Does he feel now he can't do it because Shohei risks leaving the Dodgers and he'd forever be known as the person who had Shohei leave the Dodgers? Or 
Do you feel Shohei never would leave Southern California, but maybe he'd opt out and go back to the Angels? In terms of key man insurance, I like that. Key man, Mark Walters, the key man. He's the one who wants to spend on payroll. He's the one I've grown to know. Really got to know him so well touring their facilities that I really got the understanding. And my agent, Nez, knows that Andrew's the best in the business, which he may or may not be. But boy, oh boy, that's a quick lifetime marriage, isn't it? It's like a reality show. Meet somebody, speed date, and say, you know what? If I'm not with you, I'm not going to be with anybody else. And if I'm not with you, I want the chance. I'm over it. It can't be true. I guess we're going to find out at 6 o'clock. If the media doesn't ask about that, I'm going to be more than disappointed. I wonder if Andrew went home after that and said, Honey, we did it. I'm going to call a player and ask if they would have signed that for me. All right, when we come back, we're going to review Fletch, which is in my top 100. I don't remember what number. I think it's number 16. We're going to do the random generator, and we're going to figure out what movie I'm going to review next Thursday because once a week we review a movie from my top 100. And then we're going to talk about what the NFL announced yesterday and why the Cowboys and the Yankees are more alike than you think. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Do you just catch me scratching my nose? If you're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson live at 8 a.m. or just watching this on YouTube later, during the break, I don't know if you're seeing me, but I had a little itch. I don't know how to turn the camera off. I'm reviewing Fletch, number 16 on my top 100, starring Chevy Chase. Dana Wheeler Nicholson. It is what I would say the most quotable movie that I've seen in my life. I've seen the movie at least 25 times and I watched it again this past week since last Thursday. And I was reminded of two of the greatest quotes that I use. You hear me say, Dr. Rosen, Rosen, Dr. Rosen, penis, 
That's all from Fletch. You hear me talk about John Cocktoston, that's from Fletch. You hear me say, using the whole fist doc, Moon River, Fletch. It's all ball bearings these days, Fletch. What you may not, you're not recording this, are you, Coca? Me? No, never, never, never. Fletch. Hey, can I borrow your towel? My car got hit by a water buffalo. Fletch. You've never heard me talk about the underhills? Fletch. All of it is second place on the podium to something that I have done in my life since I saw Fletch for the first time. I don't know if you know this about me, and I feel okay sharing it with you today. This has gotten me where I am. Maybe this, oh, if you're not watching, I'm pointing to my mouth and my brain. My brain is always ahead of my mouth, which is why I don't get in trouble. But my brain allows for my mouth to say certain things and do certain things that maybe others wouldn't try. And what I like doing is knowing what I want, getting what I want, and using my mouth to do so. Not brute force. You are the brute squad. So here's the line. I'm sorry, who are you again? And then Fletch says, I'm Frida's boss. And the woman says, who's Frida? And he says, my secretary. And then he walks through the door. Have you ever heard the story that if you act like you don't belong, then you don't belong? The people who look around when they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, and then of course get caught doing it, when you're in a place in the stadium you shouldn't be? Just keep walking. But people have this amazing urge. Am I being watched? Did anyone catch that? Am I getting away with something? Act like you've been there before. Act like you belong there. I'm sorry, who are you? I'm Frida's boss. Who's Frida? My secretary. See ya. Don't look back. Oh, did she buy that? Anyway, I don't know if you knew that, but Babar has two Bs. If you've never watched Fletch, please, for me. All right, random number generator. What am I reviewing next week? This is live. I've got one, one, one. Just to let you know that I'm doing this right now. I'm switching the maximum to 100. There it is, minimum one, maximum 100. I'm hitting random, no, I'm hitting generate. Here we go, generate. What's the number? 24. What am I watching this week, Coca? 24 on my top 100. I'm watching the big chill. Ah. Oh. God, I love my list. I heard it through the grapevine. There are so many great moments in the big chill. I'm going to get ready to cry. Did you know Kevin Costner was in the big chill? Okay. Let's talk about NFL International, Coca. Big announcement yesterday. Remember last year I went to Sao Paulo as part of the Cultural Exchange Club where I go to a different sporting event every year. There's four of us. We've been doing it since 2006. We went to the F1 Grand Prix race. I like Brazil. I love Sao Paulo. Amazing everything. Just fill in the blank. The NFL said, we have an idea. Let's go play there. Outstanding. The NFL has been embracing the international game. And it brought me back to my time on the international committee in baseball, where Jeffrey was on the committee, but I went to the meetings and basically served in his stead. 
And I always found it interesting that owners talk big about international expansion. I don't mean expansion of the league. I mean, international expansion of engagement. Everyone talks about game. Yeah, we want to get into India, China, Japan, Korea, South America, Central America, Europe, Africa. And then you sit around, how do we do that? All right, let's send a bunch of old clothes to Africa, see how that goes. All right, let's see if we can get four people in India, see if we can grow some players who are Indian. All right, let's bring the sport down and we'll do a spring training game in the Dominican. That'll get players to play baseball. That'll really help. It's very hard to correlate international games with actual increase of interest, increase of revenue. You can certainly get paid by promoters to do games internationally. And that's why MLB played in San Juan for all those times they did at Hiram Beethorn Stadium. They had a promoter and it was a profitable enterprise. As owners, they were all more interested in the bottom line of MLB International as a standalone business. How much money are you making? How much money are you contributing to the 30 teams as part of the central fund? The NFL has gone a step further by having a team continually playing in London. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars, almost like they're a split team. Maybe that's where Stu Sumber got the split idea of Tampa and Montreal. Of course, in the split scenario, there were stadiums everywhere in the NFL. Ironically, Jacksonville needs a new stadium. But one of the things that we spent most of our time doing was fighting with the Yankees because the Yankees never wanted to play internationally. They would bitch and moan, you want to play great? We're not going. Our GM says the players get tired. It's the time change. It's the wear and tear on the body. And we're not giving up a home game. Just complaint after complaint. And finally, Bud Selig and Rob Manford said, we've had enough. We want Europe. We want London. We're losing out to the NFL. You're going to London. And the Yankees acquiesced. Now there's an agreement in place where teams have to play internationally on a rotating basis because they're sick and tired of the Yankees complaining. Well, Jerry Jones did a little more than complain yesterday about NFL International. He actually came out and said the quiet part which Roger Goodell doesn't want him to do. Of course, Roger Goodell just got a huge extension, so he may not care as much what Jerry Jones does once he got Jerry's vote. But Roger Goodell said very easily, very simple statement, becoming a global sport is a major strategic priority for the league and 32 teams. There's obviously an easier way to translate that. Becoming a global sport is good for the value of our asset. We're going to make money. Quote, this is Goodell again, increasing international game inventory allows us to grow our global presence and share our game with exciting new markets to connect with more fans around the world. Or another way to say it is increasing international game inventory will definitely make us more money because we want to run the world. We are the National Football League. We are going to create so much green between us and the other North American leagues that they won't be able to see us without squinting. 
all right, Roger, are all your duckies in a row? Because Jerry Jones went public soon after, basically telling you, good luck, Raj, but don't count on us. He said, we've got a lot of fans. It might be a fit for a lot of clubs, but it doesn't fit for the Cowboys. We've got the highest attendance in the NFL. Let me just say this. When we aren't playing here, meaning Arlington, I want to be in Mexico City, period. Hmm. Why would a team in Texas want to only play in Mexico City and not Brazil or Europe or Asia? I'm, tr I'm trying to think. I can't think of any reason that the Cowboys and what they're worth and the money they get, would they get any benefit from Mexico? I don't think Texas is near Mexico. I can't imagine that anybody in Mexico City would be fans of the Cowboys, but I may have it wrong. Maybe I got to check my, my map after the show. Have you ever seen a more self-serving comment than that? Hey, all for one, one for all. Hi-ho, Mexico. Everyone else, pound sand. Roger Goodell must look at that and say, really? That's what you're going to do? What we had to negotiate with the Yankees was RI, replacement income. We're going to take away a home game from you. Show us your revenue, even though we have it, from a home game, and we'll match it. We'll even give you a little bit of profit for your trouble. We'll pay for your charter flight to Europe. We'll pay for the hotels. We'll pay for the per diems. We'll pay for the replacement of your lost game. And then the Yankees would step up. We're losing 181st of our corporate sales. And we would say, screw you. You're telling me that your corporate partners are saying, oh, there's only 80 games, not 81. We want a refund. Is that what happens when you do a doubleheader after a rainout, Yankees? Do they demand a refund? Oh, no, we're playing the 81st game, but it's on the same day. Same fans. It's not a split doubleheader. It's absolute horse hockey. Place the income. You know what we used to do when the Marlins would play? Can I talk about this totally on the side note, Coca? What we would do when we played internationally, we played it in, in Monterey. We played in Puerto Rico. And when we would give up home games, we would submit to baseball what our home revenue was, but we would use our home revenue from like the best game of the year. And we'd say, replace that. Well, you're playing the Expos. There'd be 3,000 people there. No, no. This year, there'd be 30,000 people there. Just trying to make extra money. Nothing personal pick of the day. <laughs> I should do a wait to see. Can I do a wait to see? Coca, do you mind? Do we have time? Can you book it? An official wait to see? Wait to see is my tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. I'm going to revisit it like I did with Draymond. Got that one wrong. The Dallas Cowboys will play a game outside of Dallas. And it will be in Mexico City. Roger Goodell will genuflect toward his benefactor, Jerry Jones. But if you want to not write all that down in the document, the way to see is Cowboys will play international game in Mexico City. Wait to see. Nothing personal pick of the day. God, this Detroit, they're just god awful.
they were really close. They were getting 11 and a half from the Sixers. They only lost 129-111. They lost by 18, so I only lost that by seven points. I lost my 180th bet of the year, but I've won 189. Detroit, this is historic, and now I'm screwed because I have to keep taking Detroit because they're going to win one of these times. They're going to cover one of these times, and they play Philadelphia again on Friday. God dang it. All right. Pistons have lost 21 in a row. The Spurs have lost 18 in a row. Have you noticed that uh, what was happening in baseball with tanking and football tanking for Tua? Have you noticed how bad the bad teams are and the good teams are good? It really is part of analytics where being in the middle is just not the place to be. And that goes across all sports now. Either be good and becoming great or be bad and becoming terrible. Just don't ever be in the middle. But the problem with that is you could have a team that loses a quarter of its season in a row. Terrible. All right. The game for tonight, it's a football game. We've got the... Las Vegas Raiders going against the Los Angeles Chargers in the Thursday night game. Did you hear what happened to that great, well-paid Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert? Had surgery on his index finger, done for the year. That's it. Just like that, another quarterback, done. I wonder whether Roger Goodell talks to Jerry Jones about the fact that half the quarterbacks are done and that we're celebrating Tommy DeVito. I'm happy to celebrate how good he is, that he gets his chance. I think it's great. Wally Pip left and right, fine. But man, the good players not playing, that can't be the equation. The Raiders and Chargers is a very, very compelling game. Al Michaels gets to call it. Al Michaels, who was announced, will not be calling the playoff game for NBC, getting replaced by Ian Eagle. Not exactly thrilled with the way that leaked out. Not exactly understanding why you would not be way less clumsy as it relates to Al Michaels and treating the end of his career as the greatest play-by-play voice ever. I think he deserves a better exit. The end is always hard. You can always pinpoint the beginning. It's always hard to understand the end. Raiders, three over the Chargers. That's going to be our pick. I think that's it, Coca. I wanted to talk. Okay. I got you. All right. Let me do a clean end then. Uh, 4869. Nothing personal pick of the day is the Raiders three over the Chargers. We will be back tomorrow again live at 8 a.m. Eastern. Until then, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.